But just in case you want to do any more thinking, I'm proud to present you with an official key to the study hall. <gasps> Use it any time you like. You mean I can come to the school after hours, weekends, even during the summer? Yes, it's like your Harry Potter without the magic and wonder. Just sign these authorization forms and you can be on your way. <laughs> that little girl should learn to read things before she signs them. Excuse me, I was wondering if I should read what I just signed. No, oh, it's just standard key release boilerplate. Okay. Boy, she'll believe anything. Key release boilerplate? I find that very hard to believe. Mm-hmm. And yet, there it is. I'll just lock this door. Boy, this key opens everything. <sighs> Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review episode EABF20. It is a musical episode of The Simpsons, episode 3 of season 15, The President War Pearls. I'm Dando. I am Guy Dando. How are you, my man? Doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing very well. Quite excited. We're going on our first family trip. Tomorrow we leave. We're recording this on Valentine's Day, so we are leaving tomorrow, which is actually Nicola... And myself, we're our anniversary, our nine-year anniversary, nine years of marriage. Can you believe it? Whoa. She is a, she's a lucky woman. <laughs> <laughs> when you said she was a keeper, you weren't kidding. I was not at all. But yeah, it's a lovely weekend here in Geelong. Lovely weather, so we got out with the kids. What about yourself? You get out with lovely Louise. I saw Lulu. We did indeed. Yes, uh, we headed down to the coastal town of Torquay, where there was a mini music festival going on. Mm. Pete Murray was playing as we got there, but the queue was so long that we basically dipped out on Pete Murray, which is fine. I only like really one of his songs. But was he so beautiful? He, he was so okay. <laughs> he, he was so average. No, actually, it wasn't even, it wasn't even average. It was like, oh, yeah, Pete Murray's not bad. And he was good for this kind of um, gig, which was very sort of chill, very relaxed and very middle-aged. So <laughs> there was that. There was Birds of Tokyo. It was like, oh, yeah, they do that song. Oh, and also that song. It's like I thought I only knew one, but I knew maybe three. Of their songs. Mm -hmm. uh, Missy Higgins got up, talked about her kid a lot, which was nice, <laughs> sang her favourites, and then Ice House got up. And I'll tell you what, I remember like listening to Ice House's first album when the band was called Flowers and their debut album was yeah. called Ice House. And I really loved it. And I was probably about 10 or 11 at this stage, so it's about 40 years ago. And so Ivor Davies has got a few years on me, but he got up and his voice was actually really solid and his you know musicianship was great. They had a guest uh, vocalist on who I think they hired basically because he sounds a bit like Ivor Davies, so he can do the um, he can hit the high notes that uh, that are passed Ivor these days. But it was he did a, a meatloaf. <laughs> That's what meatloaf should have done. Rest in peace, meat. Uh, but it was a really good set. I love how you like you're like all those new kids. Nah, that guy from the eighties. That was the best. <laughs> Every everyone thought so, and I mean, it wasn't just. Uh, wasn't just old farts like me there. There were younger people there going, yeah, we remember Hey Little Girl and Crazy and all that stuff. And yeah. I was like, play the stuff from the Ice House album. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a, it was a good gig. A, a, a lady had far too much to drink in front of us because it was one of those setups where everybody – if you didn't bring your own folding chair, you couldn't come in. So it was folding oh, chairs shit. all around. A few rows down uh, from us, some lady had had way too much to drink and – Puked during Ice House. Fantastic. To the point where I think she was so drunk and so sick that she got like a one of those plastic shopping bags and put it on her head, sort of like a feed bag, so she could just throw up into it. Oh, Lord. Good times. Great classic <laughs> hits. Um, but, yeah, no, we had a blast. Had a really, really nice time. Had a lovely week, lovely weekend with the lovely Louise down in Torquay. Okay, well, Nicola and I are going away with the kids to Rye. I've never been there. I am heard it's lovely, so I'm looking forward to, for, for us to finally get away on our first family trip. A little bit concerned on the trip. It's a two-and-a-half-hour drive, but I'm sure we'll get there. We're also taking Jet, Jetty Pumba, up for a drive Yay. as well. So, oh, yeah. Yes, you couldn't leave Jet, you know, in the hands of someone else or even alone by himself. Well, how long are you gone for? A few. Uh, we, we come back on the Saturday, so we're going for four, four nights, I think. Five days, four nights, ooh, something like that. Let's, yeah. let's see how this goes. Yeah, just let you guys know there will be no listener question of the week because I won't be around to uh, post a question up and that kind of stuff. I'm getting away. I'm going away. I'm having a good time with the kids and, and the, the lovely wife to celebrate our anniversary. <laughs> so no listener question of the week. But we are here to review the episode of President War Pearls. And I remember this was the episode. And for 
when is this first air? 2003? Let me have a look. 2003? Sounds about yeah. right. So, for nearly 20 years, this has been an episode that as soon as I see the title, I skip it. I never liked it. I remember hating it. Hating it as a kid. I just didn't get it. I was, wasn't into the whole musical thing. I was like, this is not for me. It's fucking boring. It's a Lisa episode, blah, blah, blah. And I've never revisited it. I've honestly haven't. I think I've watched it in 15 to 20 years, right? Okay. I really enjoyed it this time. I thought the wow. music was actually really fun. Well, I've got to say, look, I agree with you on that point. I think the music was really fun. This was an episode that I think I uh, admired and appreciated more than enjoyed. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I like what you're going for here. Bold that you're not just doing a musical episode, but sort of refashioning Evita around, you know, Lisa uh, being being class president or school president yep. or whatever it is. Student body president, yep. Student body president. Thank you very much, Dando. So, uh, and I thought they accomplished that really well, but there was, when it wasn't musical, I was kind of like, this feels a bit lacklustre. I'm not really digging this a whole lot. There were And there were parts in it that uh, I actively kind of, if not, I didn't even feel strongly about them to hate them. But I was like, I'm not a fan of these parts. I didn't like Homer in this episode. Nor did I. But I actually thought that you could say it's political satire, although Al Jean denies that. He says it was just purely an excuse because he loves Evita. It was just an excuse mm. to get Lisa to sing. Um, but it's just funny because, like I said earlier, I didn't like the music aspect of it back in the day, but that was my favourite part of this episode. Just, I thought the songs were actually really catchy and really fun. And Dana Gould gets credited as being the sole writer, but it's actually pointed out by Alf Clawson, the... Mm. the uh, Composer? Composer, composer, that's the word, composer of The Simpsons. He mentioned in the commentary that it was actually you know combined effort from several A writers. very group think, effort, yeah. I think that's yeah, how it goes, though. Well. If you write like, the skeleton script, your name goes on the, the writer credit, but everyone contributes, yeah, but... That's often the way in a writer's room, from what I understand. Yes, but I thought the music was fantastic, and they had to sort of tweak it apparently. So I've never seen a Vita, but I, you've obviously—I'm assuming you would have seen it. I saw the movie once. I actually saw it on my, <laughs> like my first date with my ex-wife. It had been in the works for ages, and I think a lot of people have been like, oh, "Who's going to play a Vita, and who's going to do it?" And yeah. In the end, it was Madonna. Uh, so that's the movie, Madonna. Okay, I knew she was in it. Okay, so she, is that the one? Where she sings Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. Don't Argentina. That's yeah. that one. All right, beautiful. Okay, so now I've sort of can work out what it is. So if you want to explain to the listeners who haven't seen Evita, including myself, what's the gist of it? Uh, that's a really good question because it's, uh, I have not watched Evita since. Yeah, Eva Peron, who was the first lady of Argentina, she was uh, married to Juan Peron, I believe, who was the president. And she sort of fashioned herself as like uh, the real lady of the people, all this kind of stuff. Although she may have been a bit more like Imelda Marcos. So, you know, she was also living the high life as first lady of Argentina while the people were starving and all that kind of business. I, I may be completely misrepresenting Evita here. I just, I really just remember uh, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. Mm-hmm. And that whole kind of standing on the balcony and holding your hands up like this. No, yeah. I mean, sorry, we're doing a podcast. No one can see what Stella. I'm doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it basically looks like I'm doing, ah, I'm holding up my hands like an Italian guy. Most, ah. most stereotypical Italian ever, yes. That's a spicy meatball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> except it's, uh, what do you eat in Argentina? It's a, that's a spicy chorizo. So it just says here that it follows the story of Evita, her early life, rise to power, charity work, and eventual death. I, I think I pretty much got it right. <laughs> I think you pretty much nailed it on the head, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the film was a 1996 adaptation. Re- released here in 1997. Now. Oh, there you go, yes. Always on the mark, you are, Mr. Davis, when it comes to film. But yeah, I, I, I thought this was a, a really enjoyable episode. I will admit that there were certain parts of the episode in between the uh, the music that was rolling your eyes cringe. And the one bit in particular for me was Homer saying, you should suggest that Nelson is gay. Yeah. And they doubled down on it. like They tripled down. Yeah. I was like, and I actually, the sad thing is, I remember that bit being in the commercial. So this is not a, this is not, uh, directed at Dana Gould or the, the writing staff because, you know, 2003, it's what they did. Mm-hmm. But you reflect now 20 years later and it's like that's not only bad, but what's even worse is that was what was used to sell the episode to viewers. True. And what's more, this is, you know, 15 seasons into the show's run and prior to this they've done episodes and they've done bits. They've done episodes like uh, with John Waters where it's a bit more open-minded, a bit more accepting and... All that kind of stuff. It's like that's the focus of the episode. So you expect yes, it. Yeah. yeah. And they've also done quote unquote gay panic gags that feel a bit more inclusive. I mean, I'm saying this is a 
straight white guys. So take my uh, take my opinion with a grain of salt. There, a lot of our listeners who have written in from the LGBTQ plus community. I hope I got that correct. I apologise if I didn't. But my my current workplace, yeah, in our style guide, we've gone LGBT LGBTQIA plus. Okay, we, there you we go. used to stop at Q, but now we got the IA and the plus. Okay, cool. All right. So yeah, a lot of people who write in say that they love all the jokes, even when it's at their own expense, because they felt like it was inclusive. inclusive. But this one here, I feel like you couldn't really watch this and feel inclusive, but. That's speaking from my perspective, and I honestly, yeah. my opinion doesn't really matter on this when you think about it, but I just think you watch this and go, it's just being cruel, to the point where even the subtitles in the episode were written with a lisp. So, when he says mm. salad, it actually spells it T-H-A, salad. Yeah. salad. And I was like, wow, we. The only minor smile, I, can't, I may have gone, huh. It's just the the way he says, I wash my face. I don't mind that because it's like, it's gay to wash your face now. (laughs) And the way Dan says it as well. I thought that's not unfunny. But yeah, I mean, that whole bit was like, really? What's the point of this? (laughs) They must have really thought this was hilarious because they've gone hard. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I, I don't know if... Again, not disrespecting Dana Gould, although maybe he deserves it based on this. Uh, no, because it's 2003, this is what, no, no. what a lot of people do. Yeah, yeah. I don't, is, is Dana Gould a stand-up as well as a writer? Oh, oh, Dana Gould's a famous comedian, yeah. There you go, what do I know? <laughs> but he was probably <laughs> rocking this in the uh, in the writer's room, never just thought it was top-notch. But I enjoyed, what I liked about this was I enjoyed, it was mostly focused on the kids. I like kids-focused episodes, and mm-hmm. particularly the Skinner versus school kids dynamic it's always fun yeah. especially when Chalmers is thrown in I thought that I went a bit hard on Willie here there were moments here where Willie was sort of getting some real classic moments and then there's other bits where it's just like I oh, is a, a, a pathetic old crazy mental escape yeah. and I'm like oh that's kind of sad but then when you got him take my favourite moment was just about him taking a piss out of Millhouse to the point where I love when they showed inside the teacher's lounge and he's gone to the effort to even put glasses on <laughs> <laughs> I get where you're coming from personally I thought there was too much Willie a little goes a long way with Grandskeeper Willie, and this was two tablespoons too much. I guess because it's focused at the school, you need they needed an adult character who can be the punching bag, and he's probably the go-to for that when when you talk about the school in that I scenario. I guess, I guess. Skinny could be a punching bag as well, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, it does. It did feel a little bit heavy on the um the Willie. Not so much, not so bad as like the last episode. The last. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Not as bad as the last few episodes that have had too much Sideshow Mel. Correct. But yeah, as I mentioned earlier, it was also nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Music and Lyrics. Mm-hmm. Justifiably so, I would yes, say. Yes, it wasn't necessarily the writing of the episode. It was just the, the, the writing of the, of the music. And um, yeah, I thought they did a, a really good job. So the songs in this were apparently had to be tweaked for legal reasons. Are they similar mm-hmm. to what was in Avita? Can you remember? Yeah, just enough to... When, you, you know when, what it's when the first okay. song starts, when Lisa does her first song, it's like... Sounds very Avita-esque. Okay, yeah. Yeah, to the point where they have that thing over the closing credits, like, our legal team says, <laughs> reminds us to say, we have never heard of a musical based on the life of Eva Perron. Hey, my favourite. So what were your favourite moments from the episode? Look, I had one or two, and we've, we've uh, dissed Homer a bit in our lead-up, mm-hmm. but I will say that uh, Homer showing off the stamps and making Elvis kiss a bat was not unfunny, like, especially when he's doing his Elvis, like, hey, come here, baby, give me a kiss. <laughs> you know what's funny? I thought that was like one of my least favourite moments. I wrote, huh? In brackets, after that moment. <laughs> I think everything else Homer did in this episode, not everything else, but pretty much yeah. everything else Homer did in this episode was so... Stupid. Bad. Um, yeah. That uh, that bit sort of, re- not redeemed him, but it was not unfunny. Uh, what else did I like? These are tiny things, but I loved it uh, when they got to the uh, school casino. Mm-hmm. Marge just goes crazy with the bedding and, of course, busts and throws a drink in Ralph's face. I just loved his little, that he did. <laughs> uh, but one thing I really kind of dug, and this may just be me. I, I, I may mm-hmm. be projecting here. It may not be what they intended at all. But this episode came out a few years after um, Ocean's Eleven was released, the one with George Clooney and Brad Pitt. Was that 2000? That was one? 2001, I think. One, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And there's a scene where you see Martin walking along with Skinner, and I think Database comes up and gives him something to sign. That's when they. That's afterwards, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the sort of the angle, and it's a bit of a, a gliding shot. 
And I'm pretty sure that's just a direct lift from Ocean's Eleven when Andy Garcia, who runs the casino in Ocean's Eleven, is walking along and he's the big boss and, you know, someone comes in, gives him something to sign and he sort of signs it without breaking stride. It's like, if they've thrown in like a stealth Ocean's Eleven reference in here. Because of the casino. Because it's a casino. Props to those guys. I'm going to try and find the particular scene that I'm talking about and, yep. and see if we can sort of put it side by side. I don't have the technical know-how to do that, but uh, we'll work something out, I'm sure. I, uh, are you sure it wasn't just a parody of the scene from Saved by the Bell? <laughs> it could well be that, too. I, I don't think I've ever seen a full episode of Saved by the Bell. Oh, man, that was my that was my sister and I. Like We loved it when we were kids. Every Saturday morning, when I wake up in the morning, do da do 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 Love that song. Love that show. It was great. I, was thinking, I, I was like, uh, I've seen Showgirls. I can't watch anything with Elizabeth Berkeley in it now. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's just, I think the show, as you said, you were a teenager in the 80s, so you were not in the demo by that point, you know, when the show came out. Well, was Saved by the Bell 80s or 90s? I'm pretty pretty sure it was early to mid-90s. Okay, yeah. Well, I remember watching it when I was, say, 7 through 10, so it would have been mid-90s. Okay. Let's have a look. Saved by the Bell, the original, because they didn't they reprise it? They did just recently. Yeah, and it not great. All right, so aired from, oh, from 89, August 89, so pretty much 90s, yeah. to May 93. So, fuck it. It must have been reruns that I was watching because it finished Holy in 93. Molly. Yeah. That's wild because, yeah, the aforementioned Elizabeth Berkeley, who played Jessie, I believe. She was the one who overdosed on, like, caffeine pills or something. And Dustin uh, Diamond's no longer with us. Screech, I believe. Screech. Poor old... I shouldn't laugh. Poor old Screech. Apparently did it tough after, uh, after Saved by the Bell. But, like... Two years after Saved by the Bell and Elizabeth Berkeley's and Showgirls and just getting a bit racy, shall we say. Next question. You there, eating the paste. All right. Four Finger Discount is brought to you by our incredible $20 patrons. Kicking off with Jonathan Rossi, Steamed Ham Champion Dylan Haggett, Zach Pruitt, Andrew Zur, Christopher Darby, Timothy Burleson, Joel Yoland, Jordan Molman, Richie, Katie G, Daniel Kotnick, Shannon Hofer, Jenna Rice, Reese Roberts, Adam Sanderson, Matt Thompson, George McMenemy, Keith Nedham, Stephen Roberts, Sean Devey, Bella Winderbank, David Stewart, Tom Pickering, Mark Boston Burgess, Groundskeeper Noah, and Declan Phoenix. Thank you so much for your ongoing support. And also shout out to our new $5 plus patron this week, Dark Spider. Thank you. Don't forget, guys, if you want to get a shout out on the show, you just got to be a $5 plus patron at patreon.com slash four-figure discount, where you'll also now get access to our Patreon exclusive podcast return of Tales of Futurama, early access to all the other shows we do here on the Four Finger Discount Network and a bunch of other exclusive podcasts, access to the Facebook group, prize draws, Zoom calls, and much, much more. Patreon.com slash Four Finger Discount. Now it's time for some trivia for the President War Pearls. What's your first question? Oh, righto. Uh, Marge was playing what game with Maggie when she threw a vodka in her face? Candyland. Candyland is correct. Never played it, but there are pop vinyls for it now. That's how I know what it is. <laughs> oh, there now. My first question is, what does Nelson, what test does Nelson have the, the answers to? Oh, do you want all of them? Any of them. Just give me some, yeah. Well, fractions, dinosaurs, foreign money, first Thanksgiving, and also I think the real estate, uh, the realtor's exam or something like that. So that's your second question, is it? <laughs> that was my third question. <laughs> <laughs> yes. My second question is... When Marge barges into the school casino, how many hits does she take from Ralph before she busts? Oh, that's a very good question. I'm going to say four. And you were so close, but so wrong. It's three. Three, only three, yeah. yeah. I've honestly never played blackjack. I just don't gamble, dude. It's just like, whatever. I play more chili, and that's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> My, when, I was, when I was gambling... And <laughs> when I was gambling back in the day, like well, yeah. the, the, the year of gambling, yeah, when I was gambling, yeah, uh, blackjack was my game. Okay, yeah, and I mean, I've I've always enjoyed it for some reason. Uh, mm-hmm. It just strikes me as simple, and it requires nerve. And I know, I mean, I'm not a card counter, but I imagine you could probably bring some technique into it. But really, it just strikes me as kind of a game of luck. But you're also playing yourself as well as playing the other. Uh, playing the dealer I, I always enjoyed it I love the Mexican standoff between the the player and the and the dealer it's great absolutely yeah when um when the lovely Louise and her kids and I went away on a little family holiday I think late last year we yeah there was a deck of cards there and it was like what can we all play I think we all know blackjack and I took those little suckers for everything <laughs> took all their matchsticks <laughs> <laughs> did they beat you up their little batons they did <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking now they should do a movie about blackjack but it should be starring. I'm just visualizing, visualizing the poster. 
Black Jack starring Jack Black. Black. <laughs> Jack Black is Black Jack. Oh, there we go. I'm, I take I, now. I take back again what I said before. I think you're going to beat Dana Gould with that kind of. Um, <laughs> if you if you produce that movie, yeah, it's Dando time. Uh, my next question is: mm-hmm. What did Skinner say the teachers were discussing when Lisa entered? Oh, Lisa, we were just discussing. Oh, damn. I want to say the Constitution or the no, Bill of Vas- Rights. Vasco something. Vasco da Gama. Yeah. Yes, the noted explorer, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, my next question to you. Mm-hmm. Speaking of constitutions, the school constitution is written on the back of a placemat from where? Oh, is it doodles? It's called doodles. Doodles, yes. I wonder what they sell at doodles. Hmm. There's a placemat, so I'm assuming food, but maybe not. I'm guessing it's a restaurant of some kind, but not a good one. My next question is, what is Willie going to cook in the kiln from the art room? It wasn't haggis, was it? No. Uh, because he talked about haggis earlier. That's what you eat when you're trying to lose weight. It rhymes. Two words that rhyme. If you lose weight, you're very what? Starts with L. Le- oh, is Lean Cuisine. Lean Cuisine, yes. Wow. <laughs> you you really took me by the hand and <laughs> led me to that one, and I appreciate it, Dan. Thank you very much. First letter L, second letter E. <laughs> First letter L, second letter E. Yes. Uh, my... I only had five questions, and we sort of had one. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So my last question to you is, uh, there was a protest sign outside mm-hmm. the school, free the kickball, what number? Oh, I didn't get that one. I liked the give PE a chance one. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I didn't get it. What is it? Free the kickball nine. Free the kickball nine. Ah, okay, yes. Which is a take on... Uh, the Chicago 7, I believe. Yes, I guess so. Because we had the Barley Niner, but that was later on, obviously. That's true. And also, I liked the Paste Ain't Waste. The line, the yes. little strike signs are pretty funny. My final question here is, what is Lisa's email? Oh, that's a lot. Uh, Smartgirl6963. Please, three. this is a PG show. <laughs> <laughs> true. That's a highly different email that I've been corresponding with for a while. No, no. Uh, MissMarkL63 backslash at Underscore backslash. Ya- underscore yeah. backslash at yahoo.com. Correct, yes. I wonder how many people actually... Let's Google that and see if it's an actual email. <laughs> SmartGirl underscore backslash. Because that's what they did back in the day. They always secured the email before I put it on the episode because they know we're going to get bombarded. Things you didn't know about The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that the name of the show? Yes, it's genuinely registered and messages from fans will get a response if you email it. Same as Homer's chunkylovers53 at aol.com. We should try it out sometime. All righty. So that is trivia. Actually, I'll ask you one more question. One more question. Why not? One more question. How much extra in tax would it require from the parents in order to get the glasses back? $1.23. The old one, two, three. Correct. Mm. So that is now trivia for the present War Pearls. We'll be right back after this short break with our full in-depth review of the episode. Yes. Good news, everyone. Everyone's favourite podcast from the year 3000 has returned. Yes, it is Tales of Futurama. Each week we'll be going back and revisiting every episode of the series, discussing the themes, gags, and all the Easter eggs you may not have seen the first time around. It's Tales of Futurama, available now exclusively at patreon.com slash discount. Are you tired of listening to people talk about something and would just rather hear two losers talk about nothing? Well, look no further than Talking Seinfeld, our podcast discussing every episode of the number one show of the 90s. Talking Seinfeld is available now for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. So the original edit for The President War Pearls was November 16th, 2003. It was written by Dana Gould, directed by the one and only Mike B. Anderson. No chalk gag, but the catch gag was the one with the shutter click of a camera. Can be heard as an underdeveloped Polaroid photo mm. floats to the couch and develops into the Simpsons family. So the episode kicks off with casino night at the school. That's right. No money going to Native Americans. No, absolutely. Or- no money going to the Native, or well, as they say, Indians. Yes. Uh, Marge is concerned about her gambling addiction. It's one recurring aspect of her character they always kept, which is which I like. Yeah. Because it's a pretty big deal. It's a good one to have in the back pocket. That's something you can draw on every once in a while. It could be fertile material for a story. 
it's not very often they give the character of Marge something that really tweaks her character. So it's important that they hang on to whatever they do. So when it comes to her being mm. good at art or things like that, it's important you don't just forget that and throw it out the window. So uh, yeah, so she's concerned about her gambling addiction. She hears bet and system betting system. She races in and plays some blackjack and throws the drink in Ralph's face, much like she did to Maggie with the vodka playing Candyland. We get another Dredrick Tatum appearance. It's the same joke every time. It pretty much is. The, the whole thing with uh, the whole Tyson thing. Yeah, I, I'm not, I can't remember how much he was in the public eye in the early 2000s like this, but I think he was regarded as like, well, oh, this guy's trouble. So anytime yeah. they bring out their, their Tyson look like it's always got to be, oh, yeah, he's getting up to mischief. Yeah, or he's got a you know a, a, a bad pass that he's now paying the the, the price yeah. for. It wasn't until they threw him into the uh, what was that movie, the fucking comedy one, the, the Hangover. Oh, the Hangover. Yeah, yeah that was a real rehabilitation thing. It really was. Yeah, it's funny. Mel Gibson was meant to be in the Hangover Part Two oh, as like a tattoo artist, uh, and it was around the time that I don't know if he got busted by the cops and he. He went on yeah, the rat, yeah. Caught, caught the cop sugar tits and all that kind of business, or some other bad stuff that he done happen. Because Mel's got yep. a few <laughs> bad things on his rap sheet. A lot of celebrities probably say this shit. He's the only one silly enough to say it on camera. <laughs> he's the he's the only one drunk enough to say it out yeah. loud in public. Yeah. yeah so um, yeah, the the general response: oh, we can't have Mel Gibson in our Hangover movie. He'll bring the tone down of a Hangover movie. And it's, everyone's going, wasn't. Convicted sex offender Mike Tyson in the first one, <laughs> in a in a real cuddly friendly role. <laughs> so yes, hypocrisy—it's alive and well. Congratulations, Mister Student Body President. Your casino night is a huge success. Thanks, Principal Skinner. I got the idea from an episode of Saved by the Bell. Hmm. It was always on too late for me. What I've got here—I actually forgot to mention—is my favorite moments. I loved Martin as the student body president. Like, that role is just made for him. I love the little, as you said, that the, the visual of him walking with Skinner. Yeah. They seem like a real duo, don't they? They do. He <laughs> seems so confident, so at ease, so in his element. The one thing they don't touch on, I get it because it doesn't take, it doesn't sort of fit the story of Evita. But what I would have liked, right, was that, so Martin's been the student body president for a long time. And for a long time, art and music and whatnot have been classes that have exist, existed. Lisa gets in charge. They take advantage of her new makeover and her being all just, you know, on a honeymoon, in the honeymoon period. Yeah. And she fucks her, and they, they fuck her over, right? I like to think that the character of Martin, despite being bullied and everything, still fought for these things. And it would have been nice if the students had to beg Martin to come back as the student body mm. president because he had their rights uh, in mind, you know? Oh, you've got a soft spot for a little prince, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, he's a little bit of a douchebag. He's a bit of a snitch, but I like to think that as in his role, he did his fucking role properly. True. Yes, there is a. Everyone's got their place in the scheme of things. But the uh, the I got the idea from an episode of Saved by the Bell just touched my nostalgia. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was on too late for Skinner. Homer is then watching the wheel. This was a guy that could have gone one or two ways, and I'm glad that went the way that I did. That do. Mm. Didn't you think? Oh, yeah, he's just slowly mm. going to get no. But then he wins in the end. On what number, Mister Davis? 17. 17, yes. He thinks he's rich, but it's not real money. He's going to buy a PlayStation 1 in 2003. But there's a part here. So when he confronts uh, Martin about it, right? And he says, I want mostly in cash and the rest in suitcases do carry the cash. cash. And Martin explains that, you know, this is just for cafeteria script or a day at the ballpark with Willie. He grabs Martin, right? And first of all, when he says, think I won't manhandle a little boy. (laughs) I like that. Which was pretty funny. <laughs> yes, but if you look in the background, Martin's legs start going up and down like he's like he's nervous and jittery. <laughs> it's a really funny visual, so I recommend you go back and watch it. When he grabs Martin by the scruff of the neck, his little legs are just like trembling in fear. It's really funny. But that's, just th- that, that's that Mike B. Anderson touch. Exactly, but the think I want man handle a little boy. boy. That's me when the kids are fucking around with Elliot's toys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, by the way, guys, unfortunately, you won't get a cameo from Elliot this week because he is currently at daycare. He is currently <laughs> locked away. <laughs> None of these people have won any real money and everyone just breaks out into a riot despite the fact that he sent the flyer home last Tuesday. But yeah, but who, who reads the flyers? Uh, it used to be a thing, though, back in, when you were at high school. They had the, it was Wednesday for our school. They had the, the weekly school newsletter. And when you got your name mentioned in the school newsletter, you felt so famous. <laughs> Everyone in school's going to read about me. Yeah. Mum's sticking it up on the fridge. Give me my money. 
think I won't manhandle a little boy? You don't understand. It's not real money. None of these people have won any money. What? Did anyone read the flyer? It was sent home last Tuesday. <laughs> But I break just like a little girl. Well, this was a disaster. I should have known. The same thing happened on Saved by the Bell. I do like that, you know, but he's stripped of his power and uh, he goes out like Nixon, I've got to say. He does, yeah. the, uh, does the double V peace signs. You won't have Martin Prince to kick around. Well, he doesn't do the Nixon voice, but uh, I believe Nixon once said, you won't have Dick Nixon to kick around anymore. Yeah, once again, the Simpsons just uh, sinking the slipper into old Dick Nixon. It was cool, though, because when Skinner offers him the milk, you know, he still feels like a big man. He's like, no, I'm the student body president. You've been stripped of the job. I'll have that milk now. No. <laughs> <laughs> but then just fires up again. Careful, that's whole milk. I'm a private citizen. He, um, yeah, but he won't have Martin to push around anymore. Then the Acme Amusement Rental guys arrive with some crowbars looking for Skinner. <laughs> we all are. Lisa then notices on the wall that the student body president's sign-up sheet is there. She looks at past presidents Otto and Krusty. Um, then Nelson signs up. And unfortunately, when Nelson signs up with things, he always wins. Because for some reason, despite the fact that he beats all the kids up, the kids love him. He's a charismatic young man. Bullies are sometimes charismatic. Sometimes they're weak and nasty. But sometimes they've got a little something going on. Maybe they feel like because he's, he beats them up, he'll be able to stick it, up, stick it to the man and fight Ooh. the teachers. <laughs> yeah, like a yeah, military strongman. Now, since you're running for president? I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I do have all the answer keys to every test. Fractions, dinosaurs, foreign money, the first Thanksgiving. Nelson, what are you doing? Real estate license exam. My ticket to freedom. Nelson! Nelson! I'm doomed. Did you ever cheat in high school on a test? Oh, look, I'm sure I would have looked over at someone else's test. At some stage, but not not in a major way, not in a in a, a hugely calculated Ocean's Eleven scam style way, where it's like, okay, let's break into this room and find the answer sheet or something. I was like, like mm, having a bit of trouble with this one. How are they doing? So we, <laughs> this is what we did, right? So in German class, there was one kid who was really, really good, and like he was part German, so he was what's, really. Was his name Fritz? No, it was not. It was Andrew. And he was really good at the, the, the German. Like he was like the best. He smashed it right. We weren't so good, but we needed a good score in his class because it meant that we'd have to do one less class the following year. We're doing year 12 German in year 11. Oh, okay. So during this like final test, he was tapping with his pen Morse code. Oh, <laughs> oh Andrew. And we all got the answer. So, so the teacher knew something was up because we all got the same answers as Andrew. <laughs> but he was tapping Morse code to us. So we had to, we had to like understand and learn Morse code. And, and then he tapped wow. the answers. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good, nice one. Good times, yeah. <laughs> so we're all just sitting there just tapping. Anyway, but then the following, the following test, the teacher was like, there will be no speaking, no breathing, no tapping of Morse code. <laughs> he knew. He knew. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He was a good teacher. Oh, David Cabry, if you're listening, Mr. Uh, Mr. Cabry, absolute champion that man was. So we are now at dinner, and uh, Homer suggests suggests that Lisa starts the rumor that Nelson is a homosexual. And I've just got here, yikes! <laughs> I've just written, "Geez, Homer." <laughs> it's it's the fact that they, they triple down, like you said, yeah. But my, in, whilst that's going on, Marge says that Lisa can be popular. Just be yourself in a whole new way. <laughs> Lisa's going to stick to her guns, though. She's not going to change. And this is where Homer enters with a two-two. And I remember the two-two line. This part here was what was used in the trailer. So that's the part I remember. Lisa is now making her case um, in front of the whole school. She points out how the French teacher doesn't even speak French. I rest my case. <laughs> what was his name? Monsieur Kupferberg? I can't remember. It was... It was, it was uh, yeah. But he was something like t- stereotypical New Jersey guy. What's she yeah. talking about? Yeah. But then Nelson just gets up and says, hey, it's me, Nelson. <laughs> Flexes his muscles. <laughs> Nelson, Nelson. Everyone cheers. Lisa then breaks out into the first song of the episode. So this is a takeoff of which song? Yeah, the song is Vote for a Winner. 
which is reportedly a parody of Don't Cry For Me Argentina, which was huge. Number one hit in Australia for goodness knows how many weeks. They played it on Countdown every week to the point where... Was Countdown still going in the late 90s? I thought that ended in like the 80s. No, no, this was this is when Evita first uh, sort of was on the stage oh, oh, uh, in the yes, late okay. 70s, yep. early 80s. Uh, yeah, so when this one started, when Vote for a Winner started, I was like, it's pretty savvy on the part of uh, Alf Clawson and Dana Gould, aka the writers of The, <laughs> of the Simpsons, uh, to come up with something that is Don't Cry For Me Argentina-ish, dissimilar enough that uh, the the estate or the the lawyers of Andrew Lloyd Webber can't come after them. Is there a part of that song where it goes, or was that just purely for this episode? Uh, that might be another song in, in Evita, and forgive me, I am not that up to speed with Evita in general, despite, you know, going on a first date with my ex-wife to that movie. We were too busy making out! But every grade that I grabbed, I grabbed it for you. So call me bookworm, but I'll never squirm when there's work to be done. Yes, I'll take my lunch at my desk while you're Come back and it's the daily fourth gradient front page. The vote count is today. Meanwhile, are you a Bart or a Millhouse? Typical sort of like kids magazine. Skinner is counting the votes and clearly it's Lisa is going to win. She even beat the perennial write-in candidate Skinner. Sucks. This is where Chalmers arrives and he's very worried because this is a, is a girl winning and she can, she can think for herself. And we, we can't have this. <laughs> he suggests the, the escaped mental patient that he hired a long, ago, long time ago, Willie, the little sort of jab at Willie here. Yes, hi there, Willie. I'm like, what? Poor Willie. A bit of sourness in this episode. It seemed it sort of crept into the edges. It wasn't great. They suggest that maybe Willie's got some toxin in his shack so they can get Lisa with it. Mrs. K then brings up though, you know, you got to you know appeal to her sense of vanity, and um, that that's how we're going to win Lisa over and 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 uh, corrupt her. Nelson arrives thinking he's still going to win for his inauguration. It's not going to happen. Hmm. Lisa is then in the teacher's lounge, or she's arriving for the teacher's lounge. I like the idea of the teacher's lounge, because when you're at school, you never really get to go in there. I think I went in there once when I had to, I was like cleaning the bins or something. I had to like go in there and clean the teacher's lounge bin. But, bin. but it was like, you're in there and it's like, what's behind that door? And sometimes you see a teacher walk in, and it's like, what's in there? What's in there? As it's closing, you're trying to peek in there and stuff. It's the mystery of the teacher's lounge. Yeah. Are they talking about us? Are they smoking cigarettes? Um, <laughs> <laughs> are they deciding our futures? But she's the, uh, they say at least is the first lady of Yawn. Eyes, pearls, smile, hair points, dress, voice, shoes, swatch, watch. I may be the new girl, but you can brainwash me. Just hush, hush, gush me, and then leave me be. To fight for key power, I must be heard, not seen. I have to lead wisely. This cuting up suits me, there's beauty within me. So let's all sit twin me, give them someone to love. This grown-up makeover has made me a super tween. For they are my people, and I am their queen. I really enjoyed the, the, the music in this episode. Lisa starts to like the makeover. It's making yeah. her feel like a super tween. And I get a nice little transition here. She's spinning around to when she's at home. Marge here. This is, I really enjoyed this line. You look so successful. 
Like a wife of a businessman. <laughs> <laughs> and then Homer being a dick as he's doing the dishes. Lisa then says that, no, there's no reason why she can't look good because she's never, she's, she's never really felt, uh, not proud of her appearance, but uh, what's the term? Confident, I guess you could say. Yes. Because she's always been bullied. But there's no reason she can't feel confident in the way she looks as well as take that playground back from the gypsies who steal the frisbee off the kids. <laughs> Millhouse then wants a photo of Lisa for the front page. If it's either that or the tap that won't stop running. You know, make a snappy. I've got an important meeting in the teacher's lounge. It's like, ooh, what's going on in there? Millhouse asks, do they make fun of students? And then we get Willie making fun of Millhouse. The teacher's lounge. Is it true they make fun of students in there? Oh, don't be silly. Look at me. I'm Millhouse. I've tucked my shirt into me underpants. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no friends, so I confide in Willie. But I'm pretty sure that I also would have tucked my shirt into my undies at some stage, just for that extra bit of security. Really? I don't think I've ever done that. It'd be so uncomfortable. I hate shirts tucked in in general. Hate it. I haven't tucked a shirt in for a long time, but mainly because I'm just carrying too much around the midsection. <laughs> the old muffin top. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Lisa suggests new ideas to the teachers, but they're not going to have it. I mean, she does suggest that the teachers come in early for the struggling students, which in theory is a lovely thing, but teachers ain't getting paid anywhere near no. enough to be doing that. Like Teachers deserve to get all the money in the world because <laughs> they are out, They are building our future with these kids and um, they, they, they do God's work, I tell you, teachers. I've got a lot of friends who are teachers and the amount of effort they put in to kids who need it is, is incredible. So shout out to all the teachers out there. You deserve everything you get and you deserve more. Spencer, <laughs> you deserve everything you get and that's it. How good was uh, Largo? I get my hypnotherapy when? <laughs> <laughs> they then give her a schedule because basically this is a way to distract her from actually trying to make a change in the school and go do these things like help kids take off their shoes and yeah, photo ops yeah, and to, all this other stuff. To quote Lisa herself, pointless busy work. Mm-hmm. I, like, I feel like The Simpsons made that up, pointless busy work. It's a great saying, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I really like it. They give her the key to the study hall. So it's just another way of just making her feel comfortable and like, you know, you've... You, this is all about you, Lisa. It's you know, a payoff. Don't fall for it, Lisa. Don't. It's a dump truck full of money. Don't let them drop it off at your door. But she's, you know, she, she loves the idea of being able to come to the school whenever she feels like it, even over the summer. Do you think if you had the keys to your school, you would go back to school after hours? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I just get the feeling that you'd feel a bit like you were, like you were transgressing, like it was a bit forbidden. Yeah, even though you're allowed to be there. Yeah. It's like, wow. It's, it's like when you used to go to, they used to have nights at school when... You know, it was a, I don't know, there was something happening in the hall, whatever, and you had to walk through the school to get to it. Mm. And all the classrooms are empty, but it's just like, is this weird being here after hours? It's dark outside. What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But they get her to sign the uh, authorization form. Uh, She really should learn to read things before she signs them. This was actually one of my favorite moments. I like that. The fact that Lisa kept coming back in. I'll just lock this door. Wow, this key opens up everything. Just (laughs) closing out with that face palm from Skinner, I thought was just brilliant. We're now at dinner and... She doesn't have to take a hearing test because she's the president. Mm. She still can't hear much talking. She's like Geraldine Ferraro. Ferraro? Ferraro, yes. Yes. Uh, But unfortunately, Geraldine failed miserably. Lisa then thinks she'll be the best school president ever. And Bart, he's he's a bit sarcastic here because he knows you can't trust Skinner. You know, Skinner's up to something. That's actually a good point to this episode is that Bart's actually right. You know, he warned Lisa. No, no, you're getting sucked in here. I'm just, you might not believe me because most of the things that come out of my mouth are are bullshit. But (laughs) I'm telling you right now, from experience, don't trust this guy. This is where we get the cut to my favorite song of the episode. I really like Skinner's song here where he's revealing his... His evil plan to remove music, gym, and art. A very catchy song. I liked it. Indeed, indeed. Just a quick rewind. Geraldine Ferraro, mm. who, who failed so miserably, according to according to Marge, was actually the first female vice presidential nominee back in 1984. Running alongside Walter Mondale, they tried to take on Reagan and they lost. It was the uh, it was the mid 80s and America had Reagan fever. So yeah, good luck trying to get Ronnie out of the White House. Paving the way though for future female presidents. Paving the way for Kamala. I'm so happy with my evil plan. Say goodbye to music, gym, and art. Soon we will have the perfect school where fun and excitement never start. I'm so drunk I can barely see, but it helps me get through another day. My stomach is filled with haggis and hats. 
I've got the gap picking some hair. Lisa is a fool. I think the rules are cool. I'm falling in the pool! Skinner is now ready to unveil Project Slam. So long athletics, <laughs> art, and music. He tries to give the t-shirt to Chalmers, who doesn't want any part of the show, does he? I didn't get this whole thing no. about, you know, why don't I wear just a sandwich board that says male prostitute, which I only, I actually do own, by the way. Um, yeah, I, I didn't get the gag. <laughs> no, I, I don't see why he was so angry to be offered that shirt. Offered that yeah, shirt anyway. I mean, d- the t-shirt that says slam. Maybe yeah. it could be misconstrued. Kids arrive at the music room. It's all been cleared out and Ralph's triangle's been turned into a square. <laughs> I like that they went to the effort to fuck with the kids. Didn't just oh, take yeah. the triangle. They bent it out of shape and then left it behind. <laughs> just, a, just a warning. This is what happens. Yeah. Millhouse is uh, on the rope. I thought you would have liked the wise guy here moving the... I just, that, I something I did right... <laughs> I love this jab. <laughs> <laughs> Always great when the wise guy just gets to, you know, enjoy his life, enjoy his work. Bart then reads the notice and says, as ordered by Skinner and student body president Lisa. It's all gone and Milhouse is angry. I, I, I would have gone with you. Oh, really? Well, do you want to? No, not now. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever put your foot in it like that where you've gotten angry over something and then realised, oh, wait a minute, I just overreacted here? I get the feeling that I have, but yeah, I also I, get the feeling that I have suppressed it so deep in my memory that I'll never, ever find it again. Mm-hmm. They take the really takes the art room with, from with his tractor. He's going to cook his dinner in it. Lisa yeah. sings a new song about being betrayed. What have I done? What they wanted you to? Skinner betrayed me, but a tango takes two. I almost had a date. I've got to tell Willie about this. We now start the final act with Ralph calling Lisa a salad, despite not knowing what it is. Jimbo doesn't know what or who to beat up anymore because, you know, there's no uh, art kids or anything like that. There's no <laughs> that, is, that is short-lived, however. <laughs> yes, until he sees or hears over his Uta talking and he starts beating up Uta. And Bart points out, you know, the school's actually worse off now that you're the president. We want Martin back. He doesn't actually say that, but they should. Lisa then brushes out her hair and she's gone back to her original look. That's one of the best things about The Simpsons visually is that they're so unique yes. that the slightest change feels like a huge change. So, it, like when they brushed her hair back, it's not a huge difference, but she felt so different when her hair was brushed, didn't she? Oh, of course, yeah. And I mean, once it's back to traditional Lisa, it's like, oh, whew, the yeah. universe is the world's back on its axis. Exactly. And Homer comes in with the with the the stamps, and you really enjoyed. I've got here, huh? I didn't. It didn't annoy me. I just thought. What was the point of that? I, I, I didn't think there was a whole lot of point to it either, but uh, I don't know. Anyone, anytime anyone does an Elvis voice, it's, mm. it's okay by me. One thing Homer does here that's good, though, is he tells uh, Lisa to stand up to the man. You know, you got to do this. And Lisa goes to confront Skinner and Chalmers. They point to how the student government is just meaningless and the Constitution's written on the back of a doodle's placemat. But she then <laughs> says, can I just make an announcement? He's like, yeah, sure, go for it. She calls a student strike effective immediately. And Skinner says, you will not do this. You will be punished. That's all of you do it, of course. So, of course, At which point, do. yes, I'm completely stymied. <laughs> Skinner asks for help. But Lisa demands that art and music are returned. What about PE? Yeah. A nice little throwback there because Lisa wasn't good at PE in Lisa on Ice. So, that was a nice Indeed. touch there. Skinner goes to talk to the kids out the front and they're all on strike. And why didn't I cancel sign making and chanting and whatever, something like that. <laughs> Marge and Homer then arrive because, you know, you've got to keep the Simpsons going. All the other parents don't matter. They say, why don't you just reinstate it? And he points out, well, if you just pay the $1.23 tax, I can do that. Homer refuses again, just being a horrible, shitty person. Indeed. What is he saving up for, Dando? Is it a speedboat? Is that right? It is, it is a speedboat. Yep. Marge tells Lisa, just, you know, you stop with all this. It's, 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 it's silly. You know, I expect this from Bart, not from you. Even this part here was like, oh, cool, a blank check from Mayhem. He throws the rock and hits himself mm. in the head and knocks himself out. It was just like, eh. Okay, well, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> but Marge is on board with Lisa, though, once she finds out that they threw out or they took away all the cash paper. Is it cash paper? That sounds right. Yeah, so they, they took away paper of some kind. And um, she calls them all Fuddruckers, the police arrive. Oh, no, they <laughs> heard me. <laughs> they take out their tiny batons to beat up the kids, but she convinces them to join them by comparing the, uh, the, the teachers to the man, how he never treats the police well and he's always taking advantage of them. Yeah, he showed up at the wrong Olive Garden, it yeah. would appear, that Clancy did. And, uh, you know, yeah, the other cops are like, eh, could have been another one. <laughs> we get the news report about the strike being on the fourth day, and we get a Michael Moore appearance, who apparently was just like, I don't even care what you're writing, I'm going to be on the show, because he's a huge fan of The Simpsons. And <laughs> Al Jean loved Michael Moore after his Academy Awards speech. 
where he took a dig at George Bush. I think it was in 2002. That's right, yeah. Uh, for When he accepted the award for Fahrenheit 9-11, I believe. Well, that was Bowling for Columbine. Oh, was it? Okay. Pretty sure it was Bowling for Columbine, yeah. And then he made Fahrenheit 9-11 after that. Because he wouldn't have made Fahrenheit 9-11 in 2001. Oh, very correct. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Un- unless. <laughs> <laughs> but I liked that speech in the sense that so there's two there's two aspects I like about the speech. You can watch it on YouTube. When he's going on his tirade about George Bush, he's got all these fellow nominees up there behind him. Everyone's booing him or they're just sitting there in silence because silence, they're just like, I don't want no part of this. Like you look at Denzel Washington, he's like, I ain't doing nothing here. But there's one <laughs> dude in the second row who's just applauding. And I'm like, good for you, man. Everyone around you is just sitting there stone-faced, not wanting to show any emotion. And he's just fucking going for it. Like, good props to you. I wonder who it was. I'm not too sure. If you look, is it, I'm going to look it up. It's really shit quality, but one dude's just applauding in the second round. I'm like, good for you, mate. And the other <laughs> thing I like is they tried to play him off with music and the like his last line, but it just makes it even more uplifting because it's like, it's like this, yeah. this the Academy Awards music. He's like, and we will not stand for this. <laughs> this music's playing. It's amazing. I like it. Uh, as befits a professional Batinsky, as they call yeah, it. Yeah, and he, he, he appreciated that. What I got here was... It's, it's what he is. Yeah, yeah. So I liked that he was willing to take the piss out of himself. Sign of a good guester. I watched it and went, oh man, I hope this isn't someone pretending to be Michael Moore. But no, of course it wasn't. He actually did it and yeah. And he yeah, makes it the fact, 10% more likely to become chronically unemployed or be in one of my movies. <laughs> Where'd you get that fact? Your mother. <laughs> he is joined by, the, they, the kids are joined by other unions including the goat milkers of Springfield, the news cue card holders and uh, theme park zombies. Zombies. Mm. Then we get Bart making a quote which was just pointless. No, the rubber butt. Yeah, a lot of filler gags that weren't necessarily bad, but just like, what's the point? Mm, yeah, um, but Chalmers is watching this and says we need to end this now. And Skinner suggests that Willie use his hose on all the kids, and he's like, no, I'm not doing that. And they say, well, use it on yourself. And then he goes on a random rant about the coal mine, and not even Willie. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> I'll tell you what, President Warpels, it's lucky your songs are good. <laughs> it's like they're, I don't know, it's. They put they put so much effort into the words and music that they forgot the gags. The only thing I got here was because I haven't seen Avita or the play. Am I missing something here? Is this a take? I don't off? think you are. Okay. No, I don't think that's Avita related. Okay, okay. Okay. I'm not just not too sure, but they suggest they transfer Lisa to another school, so they transfer her to the Magnet School for Gifted and Troublesome. Luckily, this story has a happy ending, just like my last massage. And I was like, whoa, Otto, calm down. Mate. Yeah, it's again, as we said in the past, man, that, that, that's a family guy gag. Yeah, yeah there's no need <laughs> That's for a that. South Park gag. Well, I find that Otto seems to be the one they go to for that, like when he's smoking drugs or that kind of thing. Mm. But Homer stops her because it's a 45-minute drive and he won't be doing that every day. And just basically, he's a... Horrible father who's not supportive. I'm sorry, yes. What shitty Homer behaviour yes, is what so I've written here. <laughs> they had to get back to the status quo, of course. This is how they thought to do so. But the, the school has found the money to reinstate the classes by cancelling flu shots and selling loose cigarettes. cigarettes. <laughs> on the advice of the lawyers, they have never heard of a musical based on the life of Eva. Who, Mr. Davis? Perron. That is correct. I was hoping you get to roll your tongue there. <laughs> Perron. So that is the President <laughs> War Pearls. I'm not going to... I always have... Sh- Trouble saying this title. The President War Pearls. Pearls. I keep saying President War, War Pearls. I always say War Pearls, but uh, yeah, I <laughs> because of the music. I think I, I shouldn't laugh at your speech in better time. I really enjoyed this episode a lot more. I think it's because I was going in with low expectations. No, it's just because <laughs> I literally could not remember anything except Polisa, Polisa. That's the only thing I can remember from this fucking episode. I remember not liking it to the point where I avoided it for more than a decade. But I'm glad I went back and revisited it because the music is. Worth the, the, the viewing in itself. Indeed. Well, just as Dando went in with low expectations, I went in with no expectations and was pleased in some aspects. Like I said, I, I really admired the musical aspect of it. And I'm not the, usually the biggest fan of Simpsons musical episodes, but this one I thought actually did a pretty good job. Uh, it's just a shame that we were let down by some piss-poor Homer behaviour. 
or Piss by Homer characterization by Dana Gould. And, um, and some gags that uh, just didn't quite hit the mark. What did we learn, Palmer? So what did you learn from the episode, Mr. Davis? I learned that Nelson, uh, we always knew he was a bully and that he could throw his weight around. He's got some pretty impressive guns. He does indeed. Like, when he was doing that, I was looking at my arms going, man, I wish yeah. I had Nelson guns. They were massive. Huge. Hmm. Look at you. You've been, I was about to say, you've been jerking off. <laughs> no, you wouldn't be wrong. <laughs> Have you been uh, hitting the gym? No. <laughs> I've been hitting people and taking their money. What I learned from this episode was that if you want to become a school bus driver, if that is your dream, the student body present is the first step to success. Or be a, a, a well-loved TV clown. From this day forward, your names will be... All right, it's now time for the Guy Davis New Name Championship for Season 15. Currently, the board stands at this. Equal third position, Alistair Danik and Jordan Saville on one point. D.L. Gorman on three points in second position. And Garode Harrahill and Luke McKay both on four in first position. Take it away, sir. Take it away. Begin with one point goes to D.L. Gorman. Right. What have they got for us? Uh, they gave us a uh, nice Hamilton reference, mm. the faculty room where it happens. Perfect. Well done. Yes. Very nice work. Uh, two points go to Fergus Jeffs. Um, Fergus may not be Scottish at all, but Fergus <laughs> is Scottish. Uh, he is now. So, so yeah, learn to live with it, Fergus. Um, I quite like their uh, alternative title, Singing in the Rain, and the rain is spelled R-E-I-G-N, as in That's presidential That's very rain. clever. Well done, Fergus. Not bad by Fergus. You want some more rolling? Fergus. Uh, that's better than the two points, Fergus. You may just rolling your R's like that. Mm. Uh, and three points go to someone who's already atop the leaderboard, and now they're even further ahead. It's Luke McKay. Wowee, Luke McKay. You've done it again. What has he got? Luke McKay, you've done it again with a very nice Avita reference here. Don't cry for me, Marge's Lisa. Yep, that works for sure. Yeah, that's it really good. It certainly does. Yeah. So, uh, uh, see, I had no idea. that I wouldn't have understood that because I didn't know what Avita was. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but thankfully, thankfully, you've already uh, explained it to me. So, well played, Luke McKay. You've done it again. He has certainly done it again. Which he's now outright first position on seven points. We've got Garode and DL clawing their way back up that ladder. On uh, on four points in second position, and f- say Fergus for me. Roll that, roll that tongue. Fergus. Fergus uh, on two points in third position. Don't forget, if you do want to be a part of the Guy Davis New Name Championship and hopefully win yourself some cash at the end of this season, just go to patreon.com slash four-figure discount. But for now, Mr. Davis, it is time for some mailbag. JaVale! JaVale is here! Ooh! Right, so going to the Patreon mailbag, just one question come through for this episode. So it seems people aren't too keen to ask some questions about it. But Andrew JP has a question, and my internet's playing up, but you've got it in front of you, Mr. Davis. What did Andrew JP ask us? Bad day for internet, because mine was playing up earlier as well. I mean, there were a few comments in the uh, in the mailbag section, mainly just talking about, oh, I'm not sure about this. Keith Nedham said, if this is the third episode of the season, there's no way I'm watching it. I don't know why he said that, Keith. Uh, someone thought it was their go-to watch episode again. Chris Darby said it was what their go-to episode, along with Simpson Safari. Chris, come on, I think you're taking the piss. Uh, but Andrew JP asked, what's our opinion of Michael Moore, guest star Michael Moore? Uh, do you think he's a good filmmaker or someone who likes pushing people's buttons for shock value? And I quote, the, the taco girl, why can't we have both? Hmm. <laughs> um, I think he is a good filmmaker. I, um, I've enjoyed some of his stuff that, that I've seen. Uh, his first film, Roger and Me, which sort of de- de- uh, chronicles the deterioration of his hometown of Flint after General Motors pulled out of it, is is a really interesting look at sort of the beginning of the end of the American dream, so to speak. Sorry, that was a bit wanky and pretentious. Uh, but the aforementioned Fahrenheit 911, I think, is great. Bowling for Columbine, I think, is really, really good. Um, he takes a bit of a cheap shot at Charlton Heston, which I didn't dig. But I like that uh, that Michael Moore feels these things passionately and is smart enough and has built up enough of a profile and used it well enough that he can get people who may not be interested in these topics or maybe feel a little overwhelmed by these topics. He can get them engaged and explain it in a way that lays it all out for them. So yeah, I, I'm, uh, I won't say I've caught up with a lot of his stuff recently. And I think with a lot of people like him, you eventually start to believe you're in hype a little. So that's where that whole 
pushing buttons for shock value sort of comes in. But no, I'm uh, I'm glad that he's around. I'm glad that he does what he does. And I'm glad that he showed up in this episode of The Simpsons because it shows that he's got a bit of a sense of humor about himself. This question here, got a couple of questions from the Simpsons mailbag, uh, simpsonsmailbag at gmail.com. If you do have a question or a message for us, please do write in simpsonsmailbag at gmail.com. And also don't forget to keep uh, rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts if you have the ability to do so. Or review us or rate us on Spotify. I believe if you're on Spotify, you can only leave like star ratings. So wherever you have the ability to rate our show, please continue to do so. Give us five stars and let the world know what you think of the show. So this one here comes from Dan Matthews. Dan, yeah, Dan Matthews. And he says, hey, Guy and Dan, I love the show. Please keep this one in store for when you review the President War Pearls. So he sent this a while ago and I kept it here. For when you do Thanks, President Dan. War Pearls, as it's one of his favorites. Uh, he says, was just wondering, did either of you ever have a title during your school years, such as school captain or student body president, whatever that is in Australia? I was the vice captain of the school, but because the school, the school captain was... So basically, I was Lisa, and the guy who was school captain was Nelson, and he was just converted in because he was the, the cool kid, but he was terrible at his job. He couldn't make a speech. You know, whenever we had guest speakers... The school captain's job was to stand up and say, on behalf of North Shore Primary School, I'd like to thank you for coming here and speaking to us, blah, 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 blah. Well, this guy just wouldn't do it. He was hopeless. He couldn't fucking say oh. a sentence. So they'd always get, the teacher would always go, Brandon, Brandon, stand, stand up, you do it. Because it was like they were embarrassed. It was like, we well, you know he got voted in, but you're the real you're the real school captain. I was like, I'm like 912. I'm the real number. So like, I was like vice captain who played the role of school captain in primary school. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was house captain in high school for my house for Moorable I was a part of. So the different rivers is what we had at Geelong High. We had Moorable, Barwon, Lee. What was the other one? Green Cryo, I believe. So I was Moorable and um, I was the house captain for that. What about yourself? Were you a, a captain of any kind? No, I never had any title like that, unfortunately. Okay. I was just, uh, I guess my title was more unofficial. It was just, you know, big man on campus. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never, I never had any title. Allowed. Sad to say. And final question here comes from Natalie. And Natalie says, Hi, guys. Hi, Natalie. Thanks. Yeah, hi, hi Natalie. <laughs> Thanks for the show and for still continuing on. Unlike so many other Simpsons podcasts that have simply given up after season 10, I really hope that you will continue on. And even though Mitch has left, Guy has been... <laughs> Guy has been... Um, I won't Perfectly say acceptable. I, I won't put it down. It's putting down Mitch. <laughs> oh. Basically, she's saying she likes you better. <laughs> I, 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 t- I amplify my original, hey, Natalie, and thank you. And, um, and she really likes when we go back and revisit classic episodes with yourself, and she hopes we'd continue to do more so on the Four Figures Scamp patron. She promises she'll become a patron, a patron once she finishes her chef apprenticeship. Oh. Uh, anyway, as you may have guessed, my question is food-based, and it is, which Simpsons food have you ever wanted to try after watching the episode it was in? For me, it was always a moon pie. When I was a kid, I was fascinated by Jasper's love of it and what a time to be alive just made me really want to eat a moon pie. And when I had one when I was finally got to eat one when I was older, I was very disappointed. I guess those 10 years of anticipation just didn't live up to the hype. I also tried gazpacho, um, tomato soup served ice oh, yeah. cold from Lister Vegetarian. Spoiler alert, it's delicious. Thanks again for all that you do. Can't wait to hear the Futurama podcast. That's a, what a lovely question and uh, some lovely reminiscences from Natalie, thank you very, very much for that. I too am uh, on the gazpacho train. I haven't had it all that often. When I've had it, I'm like, I should have this more often because it's good. What have I had from The Simpsons? Or what do I want from this? Space Age Moon Waffles. I love the idea of eating a stick of butter <laughs> like I did. But just, yeah, but- I mean, I'd go without the wrapping it, uh, wrapping it around a stick of butter. That just looks gross. Yeah. <laughs> but... Those waffles just look fantastic. The runoff especially just looks like, oh, oh so good. The runoff is the, the best caramels, thing about food. Putting the caramels in it. Ah, so good. I love when you make a cheese toasty and the cheese oozes out the side of the runoff. How good is the cheese? <laughs> it's pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, food from The Simpsons that I would, I, I really like. So I had for the first time in a, a long, long time on the weekend, jelly slice. Oh. And I was a big jelly kid. I loved jelly as a kid. And so a Marge gelatin dessert is something I'd probably like to try. Good morning burger does look delicious, but mm. it would take a few years off your life. I've actually never yeah. tried gazpacho. Is it, is it worth trying? She says it's delicious. Yeah, absolutely. Do it before summer ends. Is it a summer soup? <laughs> it's more of a summer or a, a warm weather kind of concoction. Yes, okay. Well, thanks for the question, Natalie. That was a very good question, and thanks for the message. Very nice of you. I look forward to having you join the Four Finger Discount Patreon family. As Natalie said, 
We are now doing Futurama, Tales of Futurama. It's returned on the Four Figure Discount Patreon. We have recorded two episodes. There's only one episode up so far, the pilot. We'll be getting the second episode up later this week. Uh, also, we got on early access to our other shows, Talking Seinfeld, Going Down to South Park, and the one about Friends. So if you want to check out that one and get early access, we're currently in Season 3 of Seinfeld on the Patreon page. So if you're a fan of Seinfeld, check that out. Um, and also, Nicola and myself are doing the one about friends and Guy and I are revisiting South Park and it's always a hell of a good time. You also get to join the Facebook group being a patron where Guy, myself and Nicola as well, we're all in there, you get to hang out with us. And Mitch is in there as well, he occasionally pops up from time to time. <laughs> you get Zoom calls with Guy and myself uh, on a monthly basis. You also get access to the prize draws that we do at the end of the month and much, much more. So you go to patreon.com slash discount. But this has been the President War Pearls, our review, an episode that I enjoyed far more than I thought I was going to. But the next episode of Four Finger Discount, we are reviewing the episode where they go all the way to the UK. Another episode that I don't think I've watched since it first aired. So I am intrigued as to uh, whether I'm going to enjoy this. But I'm just reading the notes here. It was the final episode written by John Swartzwalder. Well, that's positive. Oh, oh. well, we'll pour one out for John when we're, uh, when we're reviewing that particular episode. I'm surprised he finished so early I mean it's season 15 still but I thought he was still running later, a lot later than that but oh that'll be a sad day at 4 figure discount the final episode of John Swartzwater but hopefully he went out with a bang this has been the President War Pearls don't forget to rate review us on Apple Podcasts follow us on Twitter Instagram and Facebook at 4 finger pod at 4 finger discount and 4 figure discount on Facebook and if you are a fan of the show and everything we do here and you want to support the show and get early access to a bunch of podcasts and access to Tales of Futurama go to patreon.com slash 4 figure discount Mr. Davis any final words for those amazing listeners out there? Yes, indeed, Dana. That was some very good shilling and a very happy ending to this episode. Just like my last massage. Eh? Shh.